The Empty Campus series was originally produced in spring 2022 as part of the Honors Seminar in History with Professor Catherine Jewell. Students conducted 36 oral histories with various members of the campus community about COVID-19 at Fitchburg State. These interviews are now housed in the university archives and available for researchers. To interpret what they found, the students constructed five thematic episodes, remastered in spring 2023 for Perseverentia by Matt Beyer. Find out more about The Empty Campus and our other series at www.fitchburgstate.edu forward slash podcast. Welcome back to Perseverentia. Last time we heard about the students and faculty that got pushed away from campus when the pandemic first arrived. Today, we'll look at those who had to keep working on campus. This is Episode 3, The Essentials. Fitchburg State lists sustaining a supportive campus environment for students, faculty, staff, and alumni in which all members can grow and excel in their personal and professional lives as a core value of the university. What happens to the campus when students and faculty are forced away? What happens when the core of the campus is forced away? VP of Student Affairs Dr. Laura Bayless was among those who stayed on campus. She vividly remembers the experience. It's terrible. It was the weirdest thing. I would come to work and there's 10 cars on campus. And in some ways it was masked for me a little bit because I would just come here and I would come to my office and all of these offices like right around this hallway are filled because we're all working here. But campus was dead, quiet. The buildings were not open. There's no running over to Hammond for some tea. There's no grabbing lunch in the dining hall. Administration was faced with endless challenges to try and get the university working in its new setting. University President Richard Lapidus provided a relatively detailed account of the work being done on all levels of the university. On the back end, the things that people tend not to think about, we had to figure out how to activate our business continuity plan. How is this place going to operate remotely as well? So all of a sudden, people had to figure out teleworking. So we're disassembling the infrastructure here and and sending people home with all kinds of equipment that wasn't necessarily designed to be used that way so that the university could operate. The influx of work and the transition into a state of emergency forced the university to focus more on efficiency and making incredibly quick decisions. An unfortunate drawback of that is the information those who were away from campus received about these decisions was incredibly limited. Student government president Carrie McManus knew this all too well. Student government has pestered them many times, but I always wish that administration had been more willing to come to student government so we could provide them the student perspective and that student feedback before some of their larger decisions were made. Because there were a few times where decisions were made and we were kind of like, oh, wait, what's happening? For the most part, they did very well. And after we, you know, moaned and complained and whined about not getting enough student input in these decisions that students were rather worked up about and got much better from that point on. A lot of students still don't know that health services isn't on campus or incoming freshmen or just incoming students in general. I also work at the info desk as a building manager, but I also worked as an info desk manager last year. And there would be so many times when people would come up to me asking where health services are. And I would have to try to explain to them that is actually not on campus and that if they want to go, it's like a 30 to 40 minute walk. So I think the advertising of health services off campus could have been much better. Stephen Olson, student trustee at the time of the decision, expressed a lot of frustration about how the decision was handled. It became clear to us after the fact, like, okay, maybe this was an okay decision. 
you know, the university was in a bad spot. With the pandemic, it's my understanding that everyone who was employed in the health services office uh, was older and closer to retirement. So some of them just took an early retirement or they found employment elsewhere or just simply didn't want to work in healthcare through a pandemic. So Fitchburg was kind of left at a crossroads of, do we hire a whole new health services staff and re-equip the health services office to deal with the pandemic? Or do we go with community health connections over on Water Street to try and get that as a substitute? That was hashed out over the summer when classes weren't running, student government was not in session, the board of trustees was not meeting. Students had no say in that decision. And trying to retroactively say, hey guys, what's going on here, was very tough. Because the decision was made about us without us. And it's tough to think like, oh yeah, in the middle of a pandemic, your health services is gone. From what I understand for residents, the overall just vibe of campus after that decision was off. And I think that's the decision that kind of set us on the course to where we are now. I want to emphasize this. So they made a decision because they had to. Uh, and they were short on time. And I understand that. That's how the pandemic's been. President Lapidus gives more context on the move from an administrative perspective. That decision really wasn't a COVID-related decision. Yep. That was in the works, uh, I think, before COVID hit. And the concern there was that student need at this institution and across the state has been growing. We're seeing more and more students with either health issues that they have or health issues that they're not addressing. And sort of the old-fashioned health services that we had really didn't have a broad enough reach of services. So we had two nurses that were working five days a week with specified hours in a very small facility for which we couldn't grow or enhance the services because medical facilities have specific requirements for the environment, a lot of it revolving around HVAC, air circulation, etc. So the university was left with the decision, build a whole new medical facility or outsource? So the thinking was that if we could get students in front of doctors or other professional providers, along with a bank of nurses where you now can go any time of the day or night, lab services, optical, that we were providing a, a broader array of services. And we found so far, we, we will survey students actually in the fall to see how they're liking it. But what we are seeing is that those services are being taken advantage of, particularly around behavioral and mental health. So now we Great. have uh, psychology professionals, even psychiatry professionals working with students that can dose serious medications if needed. The, the, the payments for eye care and dental care, they're the highest. Yeah. Uh, and so now students are taking advantage of that. You know, only time will tell. I know that there are, are some cons to taking it off campus, mm -hmm. but I thought that the pros outweighed the cons, and so that's what we did. In the midst of chaos, even faculty members were sometimes left in the dark. Brad Kors, director of the university's recreation center, expressed his frustrations. 
communications that can take place with people being off campus. And so I certainly hope that the university learned a great deal as far as efficiency and productivity. It's not essential for us to always be in person. That being said, especially with the student interaction, I think one thing we realized is how much we maybe took for granted, just how great that was to have the student interaction and how important that was for growth, really, to have people here, um, to have them benefiting from really being in the rec center. The work that administration completed on campus clearly had a large impact on those off campus. Stephen Olson, a commuter student who lives in nearby Lunenburg, relied heavily on the social experience of going to campus and seeing friends and classmates. Here he is discussing the shock he experienced seeing the university in its emergency state. Because I live six minutes away from campus. That's my drive to the campus, six minutes. Because I had nothing else to do. I would just go out and drive around. And I would drive down North Street and there would be not a soul in sight. There would be no cars, no anything. Nothing there. Nobody. And it was almost eerie. It really hit me when I would drive past the Civic Center and the Landry Arena because the, the Landry Arena, as we know, became a temporary morgue. And they had privacy fencing up surrounding that. But it wasn't very good privacy fencing. It was temporary. It was just like that construction fencing with the green tarp on it, kind of green like canvas. And you could see straight through it. And you could see the refrigerator trucks. So you could see the people working. It was a... I don't want to say humbling. There, there's not a, really a word I can use to describe that. Life on campus was just as difficult as life at home. Despite being physically present, the essential faculty at the university felt disconnected from the rest of the campus community. They still needed to make decisions to ensure the university didn't collapse as a result of online learning, and the disconnect between administration and faculty and students ultimately contributed to the outcomes of those decisions. Perseverentia is a production of Fitchburg State University. I'm your host, Maddie Watterson. This podcast was produced as part of Dr. Catherine Jewell's Honors Seminar in History in the spring of 2022. Special thanks to Asher Jackson and the staff at the Amelia V. Gallucci Ciro Library, Keisha Tracy, and the Fitchburg State University Economics, History, and Political Science Department, and the Fitchburg State University Honors Program. You can find all episodes of Perseverentia, as well as our bibliographies and our entire archive on our website, sites.google.com forward slash fitchburgstate.edu forward slash FSU COVID-19. This is Max Eisenhower, a junior from Simsbury, Connecticut, majoring in comm media with an intensive in game design, and you're listening to Perseverentia, the Fitchburg State Podcast Network.